1: Hey, what's up everyone? How you doing? I am Ben Kissel, joined by
2: Katie Dirks.
1: Katie Dirks, as always. We have a great guest today. I love talking to the wrestlers. And this man is like, he's a ball of energy. He's just incredible. You've seen him on Total Nonstop Wrestling. You've seen him on TNA X Division Championship. And you've seen him on Impact Wrestling. Today we are joined by Johnny Yuma, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having
3: me, but just a little heads up. It's JUST Yuma, all caps.
2: Just Yuma. Just Yuma. not the first.
3: Oh, but get rid of it. No, I don't need a first name. Just one name. I'm like, I'm like Cher <laughs> and Madonna. I love it. We are joined by Yuma.
2: Yeah. Hey man, thanks so much for for taking the time. Um, You have always been the sweetest person every time I've interacted with you. I think you're just, you're a real gem. And I also feel like you're quite the leader um, in the locker room and you have a lot of respect here in Southern California. So uh, I want to start there by saying that. And then I want to jump right into the Rockness Monsters. What is the backstory here? How did we wind up here?
1: What are the Rockness Monsters?
3: Well, the Rockness Monsters are currently intergalactic police officers but uh but when we first met i met uh kevin when i very very first started training for wrestling in 2006 at upw um it was kind of a protected i I don't know no one was particularly nice but no one was particularly rude except Mm -hmm. for one guy stood out as being very nice and that was kevin i was brand new he'd already been wrestling for a couple years and he was very encouraging and that stuck with me and then when I started helping out at UPW shows, I, I actually saw him wrestle. And I and I literally said, like, holy crap, this guy's this is the dopest. This guy's the dopest. And I became, like, his biggest fan. You know, we spread out for a couple of years. I had given up on wrestling, went back home to San Diego. When I got back into it, the first show I went to, he was on it. And he was the only person there. Him and uh, Ricky Mandel were the only two people that even remembered me. And they're like, yeah. oh, are you back? Are you going to be a wrestler? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try again. That's awesome. Fast forward a couple of years, we start teaming in SoCal Pro. We've been a tag team now for ten years. Wow. And, you know, yeah, he went for I went from being his biggest fan and we even I even have a photo that I took with him after one of his matches back in those best man of my wedding. You know, he's like an uncle to my son and, and we've traveled the world and the galaxy together you know, fighting for good. Oh,
2: my God. I love it so much. I want to jump into uh, your your television debuts, uh, your history on television. Um, what what was the first promotion that you actually, that was that was broadcast?
3: So the first time I ever wrestled on TV was about one year into my career. Uh, the very end of 2008, some of the San Diego guys, they were using uh, SoCal Pro's ring in the CBS studios yeah. for NWA Hollywood. And Marquez, you know, had told the guy with the ring, like, hey, bring some guys. We're going to need some wrestlers. And, uh, you know, I got. uh, I teamed with Fidel Bravo in a handicap match against a SoCal legend, Big Baby Slim, also known as Muscle Gang in Dragon Gate. (laughs) And uh, he, you know, he beat the tar out of us, but we actually won because. He threw me over the top rope, and the NWA rules consider that a disqualification. Oh,
0: so I nice. I actually won
3: my TV debut.
1: Hell yeah. Oh. Well, that's so awesome, man. So you went from being a young dude who uh, explored wrestling, saying, you know what, this isn't for me, dipped out, came back, got on television, and you won your first match. I love those stories about perseverance. Can you tell a little bit or tell our audience a little bit about, like, you know why why did you step away and then what drove you back in to professional wrestling because you know all of us have trials and tribulations and I just love people that overcome and keep on pushing
3: yeah i mean so like i had moved out right after high school i moved to la but i didn't know anybody there i'm from the very bottom of san diego all okay. my family all my friends everybody who's down there uh, but i went to upw cuz you know john cena was from there morrison miz victoria like a lot of my favorites right. came out of that school Uh, And then I liked a lot of the UPW, like, original guys, too. Like, I was a big fan of guys like Predator, Alcatraz, Hardcore Kid. Those guys are all staples in Southern California. But to me, since for some reason in San Diego I could see UPW on TV, I saw them in a different light. So I had to go to that school. Right. Um, And I was there for about a year. And then um, I got a dog to keep me company. And I wasn't supposed to have a dog in my apartment. (laughs) They got all hot and wanted to evict me. And uh, my dad, you know, my dad kind of put them in their place. We let the lease run out. And I just moved back home. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to move out. I was 18. Right. I just wasn't ready to live completely on my own. And so I kind of gave up. And when I moved home, I got, like, really fat. Like, I was always, like, a tiny guy, tiny kid, skinny, mm. scrawny, forever. I moved back home, met a girl, and I just blew up. I got super fat. I mm. got a really good job, and th- that kind of just kept me, like, stagnant. I wasn't doing anything but working, a job I didn't like, but it was a good job. And right. then um, Ricky Mandel uh, from Lucha Underground fame – uh, he was my first friend in wrestling and he said, Hey man, haven't talked to you in a while. I don't know if you're interested, but there's a school opening in San Diego and it was called new wave pro wrestling. And the instructor was B boy. And I was like, well, I know who B boy is. Okay. Okay. And he's like, well, why don't you give it another try? So if it wasn't for Ricky, I'd probably wouldn't have, cause I wouldn't have known about the school. Cause I wasn't even looking into it. I was only watching TV wrestling. I was looking into the independence at all anymore. I'd given up. Right. I didn't care. And he smartened me up and you know, I went the first day and, uh, Uh, B-Boy actually ended up not being the trainer because he ended up not moving back to the West Coast. But, you know, the trainers were uh, uh, these guys called Anchors Away. And, you know, I basically refreshed everything I learned at UPW from the Ballards, Hardcore Kid, and Little Nate. Nice. I got to refresh there. And within a month, somebody got hurt and they, they needed somebody for a show. And then I made my debut.
1: How was that first day back? As someone who is currently out of shape, who needs to get in shape, My main concern is that first week really sucks, and I'm just kind of trying to put that off.
3: Oh well, you know, I've been also in the fitness industry for ten years now too, and I can tell you, you just got to you got to get through the door. That's it. You just once you're in there, you're gonna work hard, you're gonna make progress. Yeah, you know, it's you just got to do it. That first week back in the ring, I may as well have stood in front of a train. (laughs) That get hurt.
2: Uh, over your years of training and and wrestling, what's uh, what are some styles that you uh, like or have at least learned from or incorporate?
3: Well, I mean, I've got a giant tattoo that states it pretty loud, but I'm a big fan of Lucha Libre. I love the I love the style. I love the the design. I mean, yeah. I'm digging into science fiction and and color and comics and stuff like that. So Lucha always appealed to me because it was like you know it for me. It was like watching like watching WWF was like watching. The fight scenes from, like, you know, the older Star Wars movies—they're action-packed and they're exciting. But then watching Lucha Libre was like—it felt like watching the prequels, where they're flipping and flying and doing all this unique stuff. Yeah. And so, by the way, I compare everything to Star Wars. So
0: (laughs) that's great. That
3: that really caught my eye, and I was like, okay, I want to learn how to do that. And it was really cool to learn how to do that because it just made me multifaceted. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. being able to wrestle someone who doesn't even speak the same language as you—I mean, luckily, I'm not the worst at Spanish. But you know, being able to just you know talk to a complete stranger from a different part of the world and still be able to connect and put on a good show together—yeah, like it's it's a, it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting and unique uh, sensation. It's cool, and you know, some of that stuff's really cool. Some of it actually pr- uh, takes care of your body better too, in terms of lucha libre. Really? So knowing a little bit of both has really benefited me.
1: Well, I'm actually wearing my El Santo shirt today, so it's fun to talk about oh, there a you little go. lucha. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Can't go wrong with a legend. Also a movie star. I love those movies. <laughs> awesome. That's so
1: interesting that you mentioned your love of sci-fi and, and Star Wars. How did you take your love of uh, of these sorts of things and translate that into your wrestling persona, into your wrestling character?
3: Well, you know, it's it, the things I liked about Star Wars are the things that affected the way I watched wrestling. When I watched Star Wars, I was like, okay, yeah, Luke Skywalker's tight. But who's that alien in the bar? Who's that alien next to him? Like, who's right. that Who's that robot? What's he doing? And so I always cared about the background stuff, you know? Because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, of course I'm paying attention to the, the main eventers, Luke and Darth and Han. Of course I like The Rock and Austin and all that. Mm-hmm. But I always cared more about what was in the back. What's that underbelly? What's that unique guy over there? Why is that guy wearing all that? So when I came to watching wrestling... I really focused my attention on those guys, you know, you guys in the hardcore division, you guys that were only on jacked and metal in the middle of the night on Saturdays. And I liked how they were all just different. So I always strived to be different. That's probably how it's affected me the most is how can I be different yeah. than the focal points? Yeah, and if that makes there? me a focal point, great. If it doesn't make me a focal point, at least I'm I'm confident comfortable and happy and proud of what i'm doing that's awesome not everyone's gonna make a million bucks but i want to be able to lay my head down at night and know that i did my best and i did it my way
1: absolutely
2: that's such a that's such a great outlook on it um and one of the things that i wanted to bring up that um i adore about you uh you have the best merch at any indie show you have the best merch can you uh just tell ben a little bit about it
3: yeah, so uh, one of my main things that I've been uh, dabbling in for a few years now, and I'm starting to get a lot more serious with it, is is toy making. I've been a toy collector since, you know, when I first got my first Ninja Turtles in 1989. Oh, yeah. And I've never stopped. I mean, and I still I still have them. You know, I've collected everything from turtles to dinosaurs, you know, Jurassic Park. Star Wars is my main thing. Legos. All kinds of monster toys. Just aliens. Just weird stuff. I, I just love toys more than anything because I think they're a really nice safe harmless way to bring yourself joy and you can appreciate the art behind them yeah the design there's a lot to it and you know my favorite thing about toys is they they don't hurt nobody you know i'm not i'm not one of those people that you know goes crazy and spends thousands on a toy you know eight bucks can bring me some real happiness and i'll hang on to it for 30 years just like i have with my other toys This is a very peaceful thing for me. Well, I
1: will say, my older brothers used to throw a lot of toys at me, and that did physically hurt (laughs) because I used to have the old WWF uh, ring at the time, and that was before they actually signed the kick-ass contract with the toys that came a little bit later. This is when they could only do, like, they couldn't do anything, basically. They were just, like, plastic
3: bricks. And getting (laughs) one of those beam heavy rubber LJNs pegged at you. That's not going to feel good. Oh, yeah, bro. That
1: definitely left a couple of welts, but, you know. I'm tough. I'm tougher because of it.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, and then so I decided to to make toys, you know, like Rock Ness. You know, we were in space for four years. We have a spaceship, and, you know, we landed it back on Earth. And I was like, well, who's not going to want a toy of their favorite tag team spaceship? <laughs> so I actually made, like, a micro-machine-sized one, and you have been selling that. You know, I made a toy of one of our alien friends named High Beam that we, you know, he was an enemy that turned became an ally, and so made a little toy of him. We've got some Loch Ness Monsters. Because, you know, she's our namesake at the end of the day. And so we honor her with some little figures, too. And, right. you know, I love making toys. That's that's one of my other passions. And that's something I know I can do that won't break my back when yeah. I'm
0: 50.
1: Right. So you're really excelling on the indie scene. You're dominating. You're doing so much. Can you explain a little bit about the vibe, the culture, the fandom behind the wrestling business as you see it? Obviously, you get to have a little bit more of an interaction with the fans. It's a little bit more personal. Uh, how has that experience been for you? Uh, uh, You know, how is it when you get out there and now people know who you are and they cheer you compared to when you started and you walk out the door, you walk out the curtain, everyone's like, all right. Um, And compared to now where they're actually cheering, can you kind of go through how that process worked and how that maybe correlated with you feeling like, all right, man, I'm actually doing this as the audience reaction gets better and better and better?
3: You know, I... I've been a performer my entire life. I did Mexican folk dancing when I was like a little baby. And from there I was in, you know, plays and musicals, right? show choir. And then I was in a band, So uh, improv comedy. I've always, always, always been in front of people. So I've never really been nervous to perform, even in like huge opportunities. It just, that stuff really prepped me for wrestling because, you know, I learned very quickly, not everyone's going to like what you do. And right. that's, okay mm-hmm. and the ones that do like what you do you got to work extra hard for them right and so it's it's, it's kind of just like tuning out the negative and uh, and embracing the positive but then still figuring out why that negative reaction exists and what you can do to maybe change it it's all about analyzing constructive criticism like i don't mess with if someone's gonna like run their mouth and like you know fan you know toxic people can get at you pretty quick on twitter Typically I just turn the other cheek, but I mean sometimes I'll give it back because I'm a person. You can't just talk to me however you want just because I put on some spandex, like you know. I, I don't I I put up with a lot more than I used to as I've grown. I've grown to be more patient with fans. You know, I used to snap back all the time, but to no benefit, you know, because now I now I look like a jerk. Right. Everyone's going to forget that fan, but they'll remember the wrestler that was a jerk.
2: Exactly. Right.
3: But, you know, it can it can be great, too. You know, I've had fans say the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. Right. And I've had fans say the absolute worst things to me. So it's 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 an interesting balance. And it's just, you know, I just focus on the positive and if the negative actually has any bit of. Merit behind it, I I ask myself, okay, why? What can I do to change that?
1: Yeah, that's so funny that you have a background in improv and theater because I often describe professional wrestling as, you know, theater nerds who know how to work out and are uh, also like athletic enough to do Mm -hmm. it. But that really, that background in theatrics must come in and really help out when it comes to in ring performance. I would assume that as sort of your groundwork has been beneficial.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, doing theater. And, you know, stage plays and things like that. I mean, when it comes to TV, it taught me how to stand, where to look, how to turn my head. Like, I know all these things that a lot of other wrestlers don't know. Yeah. For all the wrestlers out there that can, you know, do every cool trick in the book and, and lift a million pounds. You know, I wish they would take the theater class. I wish they would have that other part because right. then they would be a total package. You could be the most exciting athlete in the world when it comes to the ring. But like when some of the some people get on the mic that's where they lose people you know we yeah. want to be able to hear you we want to not just watch you and so you know i wish more people would take improv class and acting class yeah. and be vulnerable and, and you know get broken down because that's how you get better you know yeah. i think all that stuff really really hardened me Trust me, I danced in sequins in high school—the most awkward years of your life—and I'm out there in sequins with jazz hands. <laughs> Nothing phases me.
2: And I feel like, and now that we're talking through this, and and I'm learning more about your your backstory, you absolutely can see your training. Um, you're so funny. You're so charismatic in the ring. Um, you're just such a you're such a great entertainment, and it's so great to be able to see you. Um, in places like like bar wrestling and and here locally, what are some of your favorite promotions uh, that you've worked for as of in the last like couple of years?
3: I mean, my favorite promotion is always going to be Championship Champ Wrestling from Hollywood. That that is mm-hmm. my home. That's what's molded me in so many ways as not only a a wrestler, but as as a mentor to other young guys. You know, learning things in the back about production like that's made me as well-rounded of a performer as I could possibly be. And, you know, I owe a lot to, you know, guys like David Marquez, David Lagana with his couple years of involvement there, Joey Ryan, uh, Adam Pierce, Colt Cabana. Like, those were the guys that, you know, we always, that have always been at the top and teaching and passing it on. And now, you know, that's one of the things I get to do. You know, we've got great young talent at Hollywood, guys like Adrian Quest, Andy Brown, Fidel Bravo, Jordan Clearwater. We have so many good young guys. And now I can kind of do for them what was done for me. And you know, that feels good and it betters the product and a better yeah. product is better for all of us.
1: Absolutely. You know, and
3: then of course I love I love bar wrestling. You know, we were at P W G for years, which always had a lot, a lot of pressure behind it. You know, mm-hmm. the the pressure to perform at a certain level was intense. Intense. Yeah. Those fans used to be ruthless. They're a lot more forgiving now over the past few years. Right. But you know, bar bar wrestling feels like the the level of work rate I hate that term, but you know what I mean sure um, you know that level of effort feels the mm-hmm. same as PWG but without a lot less of the stress you know the fans at, at Bootleg and at Baldwin Park like they are there to have fun and you know it's just it's just fun it's like a party every time you know we're yeah. all having a good time we're all working our ass off you know it's it's there's so much freedom there you know Joey Ryan has a great thing going you know it gives us complete freedom to perform how we want, and and, uh, and that's that's important sometimes because, right. you know, most of the time I'm wrestling on TV, we have a lot of restrictions, and it's important to have those restrictions when you've got ad times to worry about, commercial breaks, things like that. You have to have those, but at Bar Wrestling, where we get to get get loose and go wild a little bit, it's, it's fun, and it's beneficial because we yeah. need that release sometimes, and so we need that ability to try something new that, you know— mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, we things we can't do on TV. You know, sometimes we can get a little raunchy. You know, whatever, Uh-oh. have a little extra fun. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joey Ryan's finisher involves his cock, so I would assume <laughs> that there it can get a little bit raunchy. You mentioned, you know, just going back in this correlation, I love with the entertainment uh, aspects of professional wrestling and uh, and the athletic aspects of professional wrestling. Obviously, if you're doing an improv bit and the joke doesn't go well, well, you know what? You live on and no big deal. You're not going to physically get hurt. But if you mess up in the wrestling yeah. ring, you screw up a bit or you screw up a uh, a move, uh, this can be really devastating. So I, I would love to hear a move that maybe went awry and then was there a move that you pulled off that you were busting your ass to pull off and you were able to do it and you were like "All right, kick ass
3: there's been a couple times where like, when I was in my younger days I used to jump around a lot more like I used to do this double springboard drop kick where I would kind of jump backwards and and I was really confident in it and then one day I slipped and I tell you what I never ever ever did it again I have not done that move in 10 years because I slipped once and it could have been catastrophic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but then there's been times too where, like, I mean, my finishing maneuver, you know, that was something I innovated after yeah. being influenced. Xbox is one of my biggest influences, Love and I loved how he had a he had a finishing move that could take out, you know, Tajiri, but it would also take out Kane. Yeah. And I was like, right. okay, I need something like that. There's some big boys around me. I'm always the smallest guy in town. So, um, you know, innovating that move and hitting it, and and having it look so good, like. You know, like, I've dumped Peter Avalon on his head with that. Uh, on Destination X 2012, i dumped Jigsaw on his head with that. And, it, you know, you know, I, I I don't always win with it, you know. But, you know, it's right. seeing that go from me playing with action figures, trying to innovate something I've never seen before, and then seeing it on TV, like, that's really cool. That feels good to pull off. It's not, like, a super complicated or intricate thing, but it's something that, man, when it, when I hit it right, oh, my best one ever was I I hit Brody King with it on top of a Nintendo Entertainment System and the whole thing exploded <laughs> and he said it may have it may have been the most painful thing that ever happened to him.
2: Oh my God, <laughs> That's oh, awesome. I love it. We're gonna we're talking to Brody King. We're having Brody King on here in a bit too.
3: Oh, awesome. We'll have to bring it up. Yeah, I love wrestling and He's he's a hoss. He makes you. He makes you remember you wrestled him. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. So, is it something where you know when you're when you're first discovering these moves, that process must be extremely difficult? How did you overcome the fear of uh, you know doing moves where maybe you're doing flips and not looking and all the like you know? How did you overcome like the fear of it, or did you just say balls to the walls, like I don't care, I can do it, straight out of the gate?
3: Well, I tell you what, I I, I actually just don't do it. <laughs> if you really watch me wrestle, you'll notice I don't do a lot of flips, I don't do a lot of going backwards, you know, I've got a couple of wacky things, but I've always made sure that anything I do I know I can hit a hundred percent. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider myself a risk taker when it comes to uh offensive maneuvers, you know. I I I, I hit my hits that I know will work and, and that keeps that keeps everybody safe and, you know, keeps everybody entertained. I would hate to go out there and try some new moon salt and do it, you know, completely sideways and right. hurt somebody <laughs> or hurt myself yes. and look like a dumbass in the process. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, right. and and you know, when it comes to wrestlers, obviously you guys have to wrestle with injuries on a regular basis. Um, can you kind of give just a little bit of? Uh, you know just kind of inspire people a little bit with like just getting through the day you despite you know the despite being in pain what's one of the injuries that you had to wrestle with and you just i don't know maybe you take a sense of pride in that
3: well i tell you what just last saturday at expo lucha i dislocated my right shoulder and knocked myself out at the same time Oh my god! and i managed to continue the match i wrestled in a cage match against reno scum on sunday and then i was in a four-way tag last night so you know when 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 this job is part of your income, you have to be smart, but you also have to be tough. You've got to tough it out sometimes. Right. You know, The worst injury I probably ever had was a complete dislocation on my left side. I was able to finish the match pretty miserably, but I was out for like eight months. And then the injury that probably stuck with me the most is I actually broke my tailbone in 2016, and I actually still feel that every single day, like no matter what. Right. So that's what I'm gonna live with forever. You know, I've broken my nose, I've broken my fingers, my my hand, my I've broken every toe on my right foot, and you know, you you just tough it out. You know, wrestlers are some of the dumbest and toughest people on the planet, and I yeah. and I hope people understand what we're working through. Like right now, I'm walking walking into the gym, and I'm barely walking. But, yeah. but I'm but I'm doing it, and, you know, I do what I can to make sure the fans, you know, get what they expect from me.
1: Yeah. Well, I know you have to go because you have to go to said gym and, and work out yes. uh, so we can continue to look at that hot body of yours. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your insights into the wrestling business, and just, you know, it's really an inspirational story uh you know for all those listening out there it's not how many times you get knocked down it's how many times you get back up and you were really a, a, the definition of that so thank you so much uh for joining us on the, on the show
3: yeah thanks for having me guys you know all, if all your listeners you know want to support me check me out on instagram and twitter my at is yuma Booma. y-u-m-a b-o-o-m-a and check out Championship Wrestling from Hollywood every single week on the Fight TV app. Or you can check your local listings. We got some of the best wrestlers in the damn planet on that show. Hell yeah. I want everyone to start paying attention.
1: Sounds good, brother. We'll do our part. Get over there. Support these dudes. They're busting their ass uh, for our entertainment. So thank you so much, Yuma. Really appreciate you, brother. Be safe. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. All right. There it was. Our interview with Yuma. That was. I love him.
2: I can't say enough great things about him. Um, he's so nice. He's so he a leader. Uh, I said this in the beginning. He's a leader in the locker room. Uh, I just I absolutely adore him.
1: Yes, and that was another. Uh, you know, these independent wrestlers, man. I'm learning so much along with the audience, uh, just about what they go through and their yeah. stories and stuff. I mean, I'm really loving the direction of this show right now because I don't know. I'm just I'm learning about a business that I love. In a way I never thought possible, so we're also living the dream here.
2: Yeah, and I think it's fun to like, I, like I know I I've, I know him in passing. We've we've interacted a few times uh, just through my association with Joy Ryan and Candice, um, and he's always kind of been around. And I always just gravitated towards him because he was so welcoming. Yeah. To an outs myself, I'm an outsider. Like I'm I don't wrestle. I'm a fan of it, but I don't. Uh, you know, I'm not in there working every day. Uh, we just we wanted to tell a story, and he was so welcoming and so nice, like so. He's such a great personality to have in the industry and contributing to bringing up guys, coaching, um, yeah. and, and still doing his thing and, and crushing it. And he's just such a great, he is, uh, he's so funny on the mic. He's such a good personality. I can't say enough great things about him.
1: I love it. I love it. All right, everyone. Well, now we have our match from the past. <laughs> What's it going to be, Katie?
2: It is going to be WWF Armageddon 1999 Kane versus Xbox since we talked to uh, our boy Yuma. And he's, uh, you know, he's he's learned a couple things. So here it is.
1: I love it. We got a chair in the ring, JR. The
2: outlaw shoved that chair in the ring. You got to believe this was a this whole thing was premeditated. Watch this. Oh, that's, that, was,
1: that was steel on skull there. And even Kane, Kane is setting up. How'd he do it? A steel chair in the ring thanks to the Outlaws. He... he can't win by climbing out. Where is, what's Kane doing here? He's got a, Kane's on top of the cage. He's got to win by pinfall, what's that, what's, what's he Over oh, no! oh, for God's sakes, a clothesline from the top of the cage. Woo! The big red machine just blew. Face of X-Pac. Oh no! Tombstone. Tombstone. No. Oh. X-Pac just got drilled by Kane, and the Big Red Machine has won it. All right. I honestly, Kane and X-Pac. I love them as a tag team. I love their matches. That's tough to pull off because obviously there's a bit of a size difference. Yeah. And for them to tell a compelling story. Uh, within those parameters i love those dudes they're the best yeah we actually we can get sean i mean i've i've had spoken with sean many times and he is just a wonderful man
2: he is so. a, just a kitten another kitten another good positive role model in the industry and is and has quite the resume of of, of battles that he's fought oh
1: god absolutely and of course glenn jacobs is now a mayor so both of them you know are uh, are doing very well as you do. As you do, of course. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, you can like us, uh, whatever, I don't know, fill out something on iTunes. Just be like, oh, this show doesn't suck or something like that. And then um, These guys are cool. These guys are fine. I don't know. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah we'll, it's kind of we'll, fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And we'll just continue to learn more about wrestling uh, together as we continue on doing this wonderful show. Katie, anything else that you want to say to anyone?
2: You know what? I I will say this. This is a long one. It's not a catchphrase, but I, I did write something down. Uh, okay. on paper and I did not bring the paper with me. Okay. Uh, and that was my catchphrase. Oh,
1: I, I wrote something down on paper and I did not bring the paper with me and that was my catchphrase. Okay, that's a hell of a catchphrase. I love it.
2: Working on
1: it. <laughs> Alright everyone, thanks for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows
3: by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka golden ticket is all mine.